listening to Out of Line with Cat Poland. I'm your host, Cat Poland, and today I'm also your guest. I promise I won't do this very often, but I just I have a lot to say at the moment, believe it or not. Today is Thursday, November 19th, and Thanksgiving is one week away. Any other year, I'd be looking forward to getting together with family, stuffing my face with every variety of pie, and enjoying my favorite morning after Thanksgiving breakfast, which also involves every variety of pie, um, served cold, preferably with a hot cup of coffee. But this year is different. Um, With COVID raging in every community across the United States, the now (laughs) hotly debated Thanksgiving topic Um, isn't whether or not people are going to discuss politics at Thanksgiving, but it's whether or not people are going to have Thanksgiving to begin with. This morning on my fourth grade daughter's remote learning Zoom call with her class, the teacher asked students to share uh, holiday traditions. And my daughter struggled to think of one which was a bit heartbreaking for me as a parent because it's that seems like the thing you're supposed to be instilling in your children are these wonderful holiday traditions with family that they can share with their own children but it made me realize that you know while our family does engage in the traditional holiday activities we don't necessarily have uh, like hard and fast traditions that we stick to every year but I guess now I'm seeing this isn't necessarily a bad thing um and i think i think we don't have those traditions because of just how our family structure and dynamic is you know i uh, was born late into a family Um, my parents were both 40 so my grandparents were older Um, we had wonderful holidays at their home growing up and i have 19 first cousins and i have wonderful memories of getting together there for the holidays and um, you know I would love to replicate that same environment for my own children but it's just not our current reality Um, once my grandma and grandpa passed nobody really carried on that torch or carried on that tradition Um, you know Thanksgiving meals were hosted here or there we always went somewhere but it wasn't like um, you know, one place that everyone would go every year. But I know there are still families where, you know, that's the case. And I recognize that asking people to give that up this year feels really, really hard. And I, I just want to just want to talk about that. A friend of mine on Twitter asked the question, um, you know, what's what's so hard about not getting together for Christmas? Hello, Shay. Uh, and I asked her if I could if I could use that question um, on this podcast and talk about it. And I think it's important to really examine that. Um, and she, you know, she asked it seriously. She said, you know, she legitimately does not understand why it's so difficult for people. Um, but I think we have to acknowledge people's sense of loss and sense of grief. Um, over, you know, withholding these traditions during this time. Um, I think otherwise it's 
going to be even harder for people to set those aside if they feel like they've not been given an opportunity to grieve what these traditions mean to them. This morning, I was listening to Brene Brown's most recent podcast, and yes, I promise you, I can form a thought in my head without Brene whispering in my ear, but (laughs) I'm finding it harder and harder um, as I just become more of a student of her work, but that's okay. I won't apologize for it. Anyways, um, this morning, her guest was Gabby Rivera, um, a brilliant author, and she talked about growing up um, in a big Puerto Rican family. And Brene mentioned that Gabby's descriptions um, in her book, Juliet Takes a Breath, or Juliet Catches Her Breath. I hope I'm saying that right. Takes Her Breath. There we go. Um, that, you know, it made Brene hungry and she loved just hearing those descriptions of food and family. And Brene said, to Gabby, when you were describing meals in the book at home, I could feel the connection to ancestry. It was like a thin place. I don't know. It was so powerful and God, I was so hungry because it wasn't just the pleasure of eating it and what, and you describing it, but it was like the love with which it was made and what it meant to folks. And I think that really gets to the heart of, uh, what people are longing for Um, to have a traditional Thanksgiving meal with family and why that's going to be a hard ask for people to give that up. Um, Gabby said, she said, yes, and my grandmother, my father's mother, Amalia, had a saying. I mean, it's a common phrase, but she'd always say, donde gaba diez, gaba once. So it's like, if you can feed and fit 10, you can feed and fit 11 and 12 and 13 and so on. There's always room for more. There's always an extra plate. And so that was like, no one was ever turned away in our family. We would always have extra folks over for Thanksgiving too. So there was a lot of room as well. Writing Juliet, I definitely wanted to make sure that everyone felt that room and there was room for them to sit with Juliet and her family. And it got me thinking about holidays growing up where... (laughs) You know, we would often have um, a random person there. Um, I say random, and they weren't just random people, but, you know, like somebody, you know, maybe um, a foreign exchange student or international student who didn't have a place to go for the holidays, um, somebody whose own family wasn't a safe place for them to be with. I mean, we always made our home a welcoming place. And again, that's another sense of loss over the upcoming Um, holiday season is that we've been so accustomed to showing love by opening our doors by preparing homemade meals and it's just everything's been turned upside down and it's really hard to know how to navigate through and how to show that love and show that welcoming spirit while also considering we are in a pandemic and things aren't safe right now they just they just aren't okay so I'd like to talk about a meme that's been going around um, Facebook recently and it's on kind of a light peach background has some flowers and it says something along the lines of 
Before you cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas with your loved ones, remember that this may be the last holiday you have. We are not guaranteed a single minute on this earth. Stop living in fear and embrace life to its fullest. Um, I'm guessing if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen this recently. And um, there has been a a rebuttal to it of sorts. Somebody took the graphic and... um, I don't know who the original person was that that changed it, but what they changed it to was, they kind of crossed out words here and there and wrote over them. They changed it to read, when you cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas with your loved ones, remember that you are doing it because you love them and value their health. We are not guaranteed a single minute on this earth. Stop acting like we are not in a pandemic and embrace social distancing, masks, and staying home. So as you can see, two opposite ends um, of the spectrum there and you know I can I can tell you that um, a young family member of mine posted the original one Um, her perspective is you know that we should move forward with this holiday and I wanted to comment on her post Um, I didn't I normally do comment on each and every post um, I disagree with which is um, some people might say is a great thing about me and other people say is a horrible thing about me but I just can't help myself um, but I, it honestly gave me like this sickness in my stomach of like this fear of losing um, older loved ones who are in contact with her and other young people in the family Um, And so, yeah, that's a big reason why I wanted to talk about this today, Um, because I'm sure a lot of you are in the same position that you've got people in your own families who are either very much for everyone getting together as if we're not in a pandemic and other people, um, you know, wanting everyone to stay at home within their own, their own little family units. Um, You know, I'll be, I'll be really upfront with you and say that I do believe that Everyone should, as much as they're possible, as much as possible, remain to their own uh, living unit uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. I think it's the safest way to get us through this holiday season during a pandemic. Um, But I do want to acknowledge that sense of loss um, that people are experiencing right now because I think it's going to be the best way to get people to make the safest decision um, during this season. So, one word I want to dig into, that original meme that talked about, you know, we don't need to, we shouldn't live in fear, is just the word fear itself. I feel like we've gotten into a place in our culture where fear is just filled with so much shame. You know, we talk about fear is not the boss of me, I don't live in fear, fear doesn't control me, and... I don't know. I feel like there aren't many people saying it's okay to be afraid. Um, It's okay to admit you have fear. It doesn't mean I want to wallow in my fear or um, obsess over my fear. But as somebody with chronic anxiety who can't just simply wave a magic wand and get to a place of not being in fear, I just feel like us avoiding it and not talking about it and not even letting people admit that they're afraid without 
putting them down is just holding us in fear even longer. So again, we have to get out into the light. We have to look at it. Um, you know, I think important thing to acknowledge as well is that bravery in this moment in our history looks different than it ever has. I won't say ever because we've had pandemics before, but everything we've been taught about being brave just seems like it doesn't apply here. And I guess I just want to call BS on that because really what bravery is, is putting other people's needs above your own. You know, we talk about someone running into a burning building to save people. Yeah, that's brave. But hosting a big family Thanksgiving in the middle of a pandemic is not brave. I mean, that's what you're actually doing is putting your own needs above other people's needs. And when I talk about other people's needs, I mean our collective society as a whole. Um, you know, I do think there are extenuating circumstances where, you know, you do have an elderly family member that has been given three months to live, regardless of whether or not we're in a pandemic or not. And, you know, they want to get together with at least a small group of family members for Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, I don't think we can just apply blanket rules to every single situation, but the great majority of us um, can hopefully come to the realization that, um, you know, staking your claim that you're not afraid of this virus and you're going to host Thanksgiving and it seems like the brave, courageous thing to do. And really it's not. And I think, I think there's a fear there that people aren't willing to admit. And that's no fault of their own because like I said, as a society, we have just <laughs> belittled fear and made it this, this dirty word. And you're not supposed to admit that you're afraid. Um, or at least not for very long, and certainly not chronically afraid. I mean, don't ever admit that. I know this, again, will be hard to believe that I got into an argument on Facebook with somebody. Like I said, I, um, it's almost like, feels like this is physically impossible for me to not say something when someone is spouting what I consider BS. Um, on social media. Um, I have a far harder time doing that in person. I will willingly admit <laughs> I tend to clam up and being angry makes me cry. So I'm not an effective, um, effective at conflict in person and it's something I need to work on. However, um, give me a keyboard and I'm good to go. Um, so a woman from my hometown recently posted something about, um, you know, that the government is using the virus to control us or her thing, her perspective on it was she's just, she just wanted to bring it to our awareness. She thought it was quote unquote interesting. And, you know, about how we are now controlled by the government and look what they did. And, and, you know, her whole perspective was, I'm going to have a huge holiday gathering just like normal. Well, I actually had um, somebody from her 
family. I don't think it was an immediate family, but a family-ish, I guess I will say. I don't want to give away too much. Reach out to me and direct message and say, I am really concerned about her perspective on the virus. And um, they're fearful of, you know, the continued spread and um, her irresponsible actions. And I addressed her through several comments. Another Facebook friend got involved who is actually a 911 dispatcher in Texas and her husband is a nurse in a COVID unit. And even she got involved and tried to say, hey, like what you're saying is dangerous and disrespectful of medical workers. And um, she just disagreed and said, well, I just made a statement and this is my opinion. So it's not disrespectful, which Again, it's complete BS because um, if that were the case, then nothing would ever be disrespectful. You could make any quote unquote statement you wanted and have any opinion you wanted and somehow that makes it not disrespectful. Anyways, but the one thing I wish people would admit, like, you know, when they share these wild conspiracies and like, just admit you're scared, just admit you are afraid of too much government control of, um, you know, things changing. You're, you're afraid of, um, not connecting with your loved ones. You're missing this connection. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like people are afraid of what's happening for different reasons than other people, but yet people won't admit that it's, I don't live in fear. This virus doesn't control me. But if we could come to a place where we could all bring our fear to the table and lay it down and examine it, I think we'd be in a much better place. Um, at least be able to have these hard conversations. Um, you know, <laughs> again, I, I listening to Bernie Brown podcast yesterday. Um, apparently, I'm not able to form a thought without without Brene's hand in it, but. You know, she was talking to Dolly Parton, which, oh my gosh, that was like, it felt like when you bring your boyfriend home to meet your family and they fall in love with him and everyone gets along. I know that's a really weird analogy, but that's what it felt like hearing Brene talking to Dolly. And of course they clicked and it was a great conversation, but they talked about um, our society's capacity for pain and and that's something I feel like is, is a big issue underlying a lot of these conflicting opinions about the pandemic it's like somewhere and maybe we've never had it but I th- I'd like to think at one point we did we've lost the ability to just sit with people in their pain and to look at their pain and to not turn away from it and just to to feel what they're feeling. You know, I think we've seen it over and over again. People don't believe the virus is either real or um, deadly or serious until they've had someone in their family or they themselves have contracted it. Um, Or sometimes it's just, you know, a medical professional they trust um, has said something, but it's that kind of long distance empathy I'm calling it. It's just a, it's a really tough ask apparently right now for our society. Um, I'm not sure why that is, 
But, you know, I, I go back to, um, you know, we talk about the different ways we deal with, um, with fear and, you know, we come, we have, we have flight, uh, we have fight and we talk about freezing. So when you're, when you're scared of something, you got to run from it, you want to fight it or you freeze and you don't do anything. And, you know, I think if you're in, um, maybe a particular position where you can fight it, you know, yeah, you put on your PPE and you're, you know, you're a first, first responder or you're in the hospital, you're fighting it. Um, some people have flown, you know, they have just completely isolated themselves from any outside contact and that's their, their way. They're going to hunker down and just get through this on their own. Other people have frozen and, um, I think we don't see it that way, but they've, they've frozen in this place where they're in denial and they've, um, put their head in the sand, which my fourth grade daughter informed me that ostriches don't do that when they're scared. They do that because their nests are underground and they're looking at their eggs. I don't know, but I believe her cause she's way smarter than me, but you know, we've, we've just, um, put our hands over our ears and our eyes and said, la la la, this isn't happening. Everything's fine. But I would like I would like us to consider a fourth alternative to that to that place of fear and pain, and that is to focus. Like focus on that pain. Don't turn away from it. Um, one thing Brene said was that you know growing up, her her mother instructed her to never turn away from pain, to never turn away from somebody who's in pain. And I think I think in a lot of ways we were taught that growing up. You know, most of us if we um, had a friend or family member uh, going through a hard time, you know, we take food over, we, but, and like I said, again, right now that's changed. The way that we show love isn't necessarily by opening our doors and inviting everybody over. It looks different. Um, and we just, we feel so awkward. We don't know how to, how to sit with people and listen to their pain without fixing it. And that's one thing we, you know, we really can't do right now. We don't have a lot of, or any control, um, over the pandemic. We only have control over the choices we make and it's going to take all of us making good choices, responsible choices, you know, wearing masks properly over your nose, (laughs) um, washing our hands, the distancing part, you know, I'll often see pictures of people, (laughs) they are wearing masks, but they're getting together with their arms around each other. I'm like, well, okay, you're kind of, I don't know about entirely defeating the purpose, but you know, you've got to have all of these measures in place to have any chance to slow down the virus, to spread out the virus. So I'm not sure if you follow the um, Enneagram, but it's an ancient faith-based personality profile and I have found it to be extremely helpful in understanding who I am, how I work. Um, I am an Enneagram number four, which um, basically means somebody who is a very deep feeler, um, very creative. That's really no surprise given my, given my career as a writer. Um, I heard once that Enneagram fours don't have feelings. They are feelings. <laughs> I think that's certainly the case. Um, and it, you know, I've 
also heard that Enneagram fours are the best at being able to just sit with people in their pain. And so I have to acknowledge that that's not an easy ask for everybody. Um, most people aren't Enneagram fours. Um, but I think it's, I think it's an important thing to acknowledge right now that we have lost that. And I can't, I can't even say lost that cause I don't know if we ever had it, but we are just not good at empathy. I mean, we're really not. And, um, you know, when people say things like, oh, I'm losing my faith in humanity. And I mean, I think what they mean is just that they're frustrated by this apparent lack of empathy we have in our society. Um, and one thing I would also like us to consider as well is that our, our personal freedoms. So we, we talk a lot about, you know, the government taking away our freedoms or, um, people feeling oppressed for this rule or that rule. And, you know, I, I certainly acknowledge, you know, there, there have been grave injustices done by the government against marginalized groups of people. Like that's a real thing. And we should always be aware of that and, and, you know, um, try to stand against that. But then there are times when it's just a, a public health issue and we just, see it so much differently because it's not something we're accustomed to. We're just not used to it. You know, we're used to speed limits. We're used to drinking and driving laws. We're used to seatbelt laws. We're now used to, you know, no smoking in public uh, laws. I mean, those are just public health things that we have become accustomed to. So these new mandates just feel, maybe feel more oppressive because they're new and we're just not not used to them, but we have to stop and remember that personal freedoms always come at someone else's expense. Um, We have to acknowledge that loss and that risk. Uh, We have to be honest about what's at stake and what you're taking away from someone else. Um, I'm hard pressed to find any personal freedom that doesn't come at someone else's expense. Um, So if you have rebuttal and you would like to contact me about that, I would love to have that discussion. But, you know, I think, you know, we we hear the phrase freedom isn't free all the time. And we we talk about that more in terms of like military conflict. Um, But it's true here right now in this situation too, that, you know, your freedom to not wear a mask or your freedom to have a large family Thanksgiving gathering is putting other people at risk. And, um, I just see a lot of denial about that. People say, these are my personal choices. Um, but as we can see, I mean, none of us live, um, in a vacuum, in a bubble and, you know, we all influence each other and touch each other's lives in um, tangible and intangible ways. And, I guess I would have more of an appreciation for someone saying, I'm going to get together with my family for Thanksgiving, even though it means that you and your family will be put more at risk. I mean, I don't respect that decision, but I can respect the honesty of it. And not, like I said, this, this freezing that we do in the face of fear that I'm in just going to freeze and be in denial that my 
personal actions will impact anybody else. So if you're out there listening and you're struggling with these decisions, um, I guess all I can ask is that whatever your normal traditions are, just please, 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 please consider dialing those back. Just pull it back a little, hopefully a lot. Um, You know, find ways to do it more safely. Have less people. Um, If you need to see grandma, see grandma, but wear a mask around her and don't eat around her and (laughs) spread your droplets everywhere. Just whatever it is that you normally do, just pull it back just for the sake of all of us until we can get a little bit further down the road. Um, There's some promising vaccines out there. And then hopefully by this time next year, we are in a much better place. Um, I know there's a lot of factors. Uh, Like I said, every family situation is different. Um, You know, for example, we are choosing to send two of our children to school in person um, rather than doing the schooling at home. That is still an option where we are. It might not be much longer, but we have, you know, we've thought about that and considered that and, and knowing the risks it might bring to others, but knowing the very real risks, um, our children might have at home as well. So I get it. I get that we all have different situations and we talk a lot about mental health. Um, and that is a very, a very real real topic that we need to consider but also please 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 consider the mental health of our healthcare workers um consider the mental health of older family members who might be scared to attend these large family gatherings um but you know they they feel torn that yeah they you know they're getting up there in age and it might be their last family gathering or it might be their last family gathering because they could possibly catch COVID from their asymptomatic grandson and then it's most certainly their last holiday um you know I think it's a very real possibility that you have older family members or immune compromised family members who are afraid to let you down and they would be relieved if you postpone Thanksgiving um, cancel Thanksgiving or had virtual Thanksgiving because they don't want to, they don't want to let you down. Um, like I said, there's that deep shame about fear. They don't want to admit they're afraid and we are not good at setting our own boundaries at all. Like, trust me, I struggle with it too. You know, recently I pulled up at a store, um, in my town, downtown, I wanted to run in and, and grab something and the shop owners opened the door for me and they didn't have any masks on and I had my mask on and we have like a 40% positive test rate in our county. Like it is not, it is not good to be out running around without a mask on, especially being a store owner. And I was just shocked and I, I didn't even say anything. I just turned around and got in my car. Like, and maybe it's a Midwest thing. Like we are dying of niceness, like quite literally dying of niceness here in the Midwest. Like our COVID numbers are through the roof. Our hospitals are full. Like it is, it is bad. It is dangerous. And I think a big part of it is just people 
are afraid to set boundaries and afraid to say no. Um, you know, shop owners are afraid to tell people not to come in who aren't wearing masks. Like, like I said, we are literally dying of niceness. Um, so, you know, I mean, you may think that you're letting elderly family down or letting your family down by deciding not to host, but trust me, there's a very real chance that they're just going to be relieved that they don't have to make that decision to let people down. Um, so please, please consider that when, when making your plans for next week. Personally, um, our family has decided to just stay home. Um, just me and my husband and our three kids. And I'm going to make all the yummy food and um, maybe buy some pre-made food so I don't have to do so much work. We'll play games, maybe Zoom with some family members. Um, and, you know, hearing my daughter struggle this morning to come up with like concrete family traditions made me realize that the kids are going to be fine like um it's up to us as the adults and the parents to set that tone and if the tone we set is this is horrible this is terrible we should all be together um that dang government or whatever you know that's that's the energy that's going to carry on to the kids so I definitely think it can be a memorable Thanksgiving um, and a memorable holiday season in general, but it's just up to us to, like I said, set that tone and the energy for what the day, what the holidays is all about. So again, I implore you to please consider your Thanksgiving plans and consider the well-being of your entire community beyond your family um, know that our healthcare workers are screaming out for help they are overworked um, they're putting their own health in jeopardy you know think of it like um, think of it like we're in a drought or you know we're in a time of you know fire danger and the fire department is asking you please do not have a campfire <laughs> please don't uh, roast s'mores over a fire in your backyard and we all say okay yeah let's you know we can do that for each other we can um have a little bit you know like a, a temporary pain uh, or a short-term sacrifice for the long-term good because we can we can clearly visualize how us having a little um campfire even though we might say oh it's safe you know we're doing it on concrete and we have a water bucket nearby we've come to understand that that activity is not safe if the conditions are unsafe and that is what we are trying to communicate right now the conditions for a family gathering right now during the height of a pandemic are not good think of it again going back to the fire danger um, there's a drought the, the the ground is dry the grass is brittle the trees are dry like it's a it's a tinder box and um please just don't go out lighting matches <laughs> um please like i said just please consider and I, I hope today was helpful just in kind of unpacking those fears we all have and just being okay with saying we're afraid um speaking to the losses we might be experiencing i also encourage you to find find ways to connect um, 
I know the virtual thing sucks and we're all tired of it, but, um, you know, maybe seeing family members on Zoom will just give you that little bit of taste for getting together. Um, maybe especially if you also do it along with um, some kind of a physical presence, whether or not you all bake a traditional family recipe together. Um, maybe you, you know, there's enough time a week from now, you can send something in the mail, like grandma's famous cookies, and find a way to connect physically, but virtually at the same time. And maybe it's time for all of us to just reevaluate how we connect as families in general. I mean, it. I don't know if your family's like ours, but you know, it just seems like the rest of the year is just busy, busy, busy. We hardly get together. And then all of a sudden at the holidays, it's this mad rush to get together. And I think we would all be better off, you know, even after the pandemic going, hey, why this pressure, you know, my husband is when he hates the pressure of the holidays. And I get that now. It's like, we all have this pressure that this is this, this is the special time. This is the special moment. And it just, it seems like every year there's something anyway, you know, I mean, it's, um, flu season in general during the holidays. So, um, you know, it's not uncommon for somebody to be sick or have to miss for, or weather or snow or ice, but you know, I mean, let's consider having family gatherings and new traditions spread out throughout the year or staying connected on a more regular basis so we don't feel this this starving and this like desperation to be together um, at a few a few days of the year okay well that's all I've got for today I appreciate your time and if you haven't turn this off already. I admire your <laughs> strength and your patience. This was admittedly fairly awkward just to talk to myself in an empty room, but um, I felt like these are some important things, some timely things to talk about. And um, I hope that whatever your Thanksgiving looks like next week, I hope it's safe and enjoyable. And please, please, whatever you do, eat a lot of pie. Just eat all the pie. Every flavor of pie. Don't hold back on pie unless unless you're like diabetic or something and then that would harm your health. So please enjoy some sugar-free pie. Uh, just enjoy, enjoy the holidays, um, whatever they're going to look like this year. And remember to really focus on the people you do get to spend it with. That close little circle of people and really focus your attention on them and then we'll be even more grateful when next year we can all get together and enjoy each other's company once again. If you like today's podcast, I hope you stay in touch and I'd love to hear your ideas for who I should interview in the future. You can reach out at catpoland.com or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cat Poland or on Facebook, Cat Poland Author and Storyteller. And I hope you subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and also on Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening and don't forget that good things happen when you step out of line.